Ace Podcast. Nobody rats on little Caesar. See? There it is. Experimental robot 23. He's really something, Professor. I want you to look everywhere for a girl named Janet Corning. Janet Corning. Five feet, five inches, uh, brown hair. Brown eyes and the cutest little dimples you ever saw. Brown eyes and the cutest little... I mean, she has prominent dimples. This is Wisecracks Radio Hour. Join us as we follow quantum scientists Chuck and Wagner through their adventures as they try to get back home to the year 2017 and listen in as they riff on classic radio. Yeah. Oh, no. We're still in the studio. I don't believe it. All that work and we failed? Ah, let me get the lights. Don't worry, Chuck. We'll figure it out. Hey, what's that? Hmm. I have no idea. Looks looks like a new reel-to-reel recorder. Hey, and look. The windows aren't sealed anymore, and across the street there, that building wasn't there when we left. We've traveled in time, just not far enough. I wonder what year. Don't move. I got a gun here and I ain't afraid. Hey, I know you. Chuck and Wagner? Where the heck have you two been? We've been looking everywhere for you. Well, for the first year or so anyway. After that, we just kind of forgot about you. Mr. Brambles? No, I'm the Easter Bunny. Of course I'm Brambles, you nitwit. Now, one of you two better start explaining, and I mean stat. Um, we've been in a coma. A coma? The both of you. Yeah. See, uh, we, um, okay, we were leaving the office and the studio, and we drove home, and a sign fell on our heads. Yeah, a sign fell on our heads? Yeah. Uh, Wagner, you probably don't remember it because of the coma, but this sign, it was a big sign. I think it was a Mr. Burger sign. Anyway, a big wind came up, and this sign came out of nowhere and hit us in the head. It was a mess. A sign, you say? I don't recall hearing about a sign accident. But it was ten years ago. Ten years? Yes, ten years ago. You guys were working late. Then poof, nobody heard from you again. Been a big mystery around here. Well, for the first year or so. Then everyone just sort of forgot about it. Uh, yeah, you told us that already. Hey, how did you guys get in here without anyone seeing you? And what the heck is that thing there? That odd table with the tubes and stuff. That thing? Oh, uh, that's the new desk we've been working on. New desk, huh? I don't recall seeing it here before. But then again, I haven't been down in Studio 6 since you guys disappeared. So how did you get in here? Well, to be honest, Mr. Brambles, I don't rightly recall how we got in here. Wagner? Nope. The doctor said our short-term memory would be off for a little while. Side effect of the coma medicine or something. Well, I hope you two remember how to do your job, because we got a new shipment of damaged tapes that have to be transferred. Plus, 
you still have that huge stack you left behind before your sign accident. So clean up that desk over there and get busy. Ten years. We made a ten-year leap. I was worried we wouldn't have enough power to get back to 2017. Man, what a letdown. You know, I was really looking forward to seeing my wife, too. Well, back to the drawing board. Yeah, but for the time being, we better knock out a few of these tapes. We'll keep things normal until we get the time machine problem figured out. Well, I hope they replace that crappy coffee machine while we were away. Hey, grab a tape, will you? Mysterious Traveler. Sounds like us. Well, I hear that train a-coming, coming round the bend. The Mysterious Traveler, written, produced, and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Cogan, and starring tonight two of radio's foremost actors, Chuck Leon and Tabby Wagner, and Charlotte Holland, in Operation Tomorrow. Ooh, Grateful Dead. This is the Mysterious Traveler. Inviting you to join me on another journey into the realm of the strange and the terrifying. Known as public transit. Enjoy the trip, and it will thrill you a little and chill you a little. Oh, it must have air conditioning. Come back, get a good grip on your nerves, and be comfortable if you can. Can I get a pillow, please? With a young scientist into the unknown future. It's a story I call Operation Tomorrow. Yeah, why operate today when you could do it tomorrow? My story begins in a scientific laboratory. Ours too. Solid rock, many feet beneath New York City University. Amidst a maze of electronic apparatus, Professor Wilbur Malcolm, a middle-aged pipe-smoking man, is. What's that got to do with anything? (laughs) Really? Aided by his new assistant, Fred Andrews. Oh, sounds like the truck is backing up to unload our new sofa. Seem to be working the way they should. You ready at the meters, Fred? Yes, Professor. I dropped another quarter in for you. I wish I knew what we were doing. You will in a few seconds, my boy. Now, wind up that alarm clock and put it here on this lead table in the center of the magnetic field. This old alarm clock? All this science plus a wind-up clock. There. All right, it's in the magnetic field. Hey, I played left magnetic field in Little League. I'm going to turn on the current. You give me the readings as we go along. Right, sir. Here we go. Well, it sounds like somebody's got high blood pressure. 1,000 volts positive main output tube. Oh, cool. More fake science. 2,000. Man, that truck is getting close. Four. Five. Six. Seven. It's gonna blow. (laughs) Nine. 10,000. All right. We've reached critical voltage. Now watch the clock closely, Fred. The clock? Yes, sir. It's time for me to fly. Why, it's getting a little hazy. And purpley. It's hard to see. Now it's transparent, as if it were made of glass. What is this, Professor? Patience, my boy. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. That's the scientist's motto. Well, the tick is getting fainter. Fading out. The clock is disappearing. Professor, the clock has vanished. So it has. Gone completely. But where? Don't tell me you've discovered the secret of invisibility. Okay. Okay. Bigger than that, Fred. But watch now. 
I'm going to cut off the alpha tubes. Now I'll cut in the beta tubes. That's Greek to me. That will give us a negative charge and reverse the magnetic field. You ready, Fred? Yes, sir. Here we go. Readings, please. 2,000 volts negative. 3,000 negative. 4,000. Five. Six. Seven. We're losing him. Eight. Nine. 10,000 volts negative. Good. I'm holding the field at 10,000. Now watch where the clock was. I'm watching, sir. We've lost him. He's dead. Good job. Good Lord, I, I see a, a ghost of a clock there. Oh, just in time for Halloween. the outline. Now it's becoming clearer and clearer. It's transparent. Now it's almost solid. Somebody get the paddles. And there it's back. Oh. Yes, Fred. The clock is back. And as you can hear, still in good working order. But where was it? Where did it go? Where did it go? It went into the future. Into the future? Yes, my boy. That clock has just penetrated approximately one year into the future. You've witnessed the first demonstration of something that up to now has always been considered a fantastic dream. Time travel. Maybe we could learn something here. Probably uh, not. Not for today. We'll pay attention. Coming home with me, Fred, while I tell you my plans. But I was going to watch The Bachelor tonight. How did you stumble onto this time travel effect, sir? Well, it all started when I had my toaster set too high. My main purpose, which is a top-secret operation, is to develop electronic controls for atomic spaceships. Dang it, now I've got to kill you. Oh, no, not yet. But it shouldn't be long now. Science is making incredibly rapid advances. Like Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Sometimes it worries me. When you travel so fast, there's danger of a collision. Yes, I know. We're all of us worried that the world is headed for a gigantic disaster. A Nickelback reunion. There doesn't seem to be anything we can do about it. Perhaps there is. That's what I've been working around to tell you, Fred. What, Professor Malcolm? Well, this time travel effect that I stumbled on accidentally... I've kept it a secret. You're the only person besides myself to know about it. Please don't kill me. I know I can trust you. And I need your help. Oh, I'm busy that day. Uh, I'm not sure we're really ready for time travel. As we were just saying, we're going so fast now, so many new discoveries that we don't know how to handle for the world's good. I hesitate to add one more to the list. I think I understand. But not really. On the other hand... Maybe it can be used for mankind's benefit. I have a wild scheme, Fred. Very unscientific. And yet... What is it, Professor? Why, it's very unscientific. I just told you. I propose to send you in a little jaunt into the future. Into... future? No, the yes. future. Oh, yeah, you said that. I want you to bring back information. I want to find out what's in store for us mortals of the 20th century, Fred. And I also need those winning Powerball numbers. Perhaps just knowing about it in advance may make it possible to prevent it. Do you follow me? Huh. It would be like knowing in advance about a train wreck. This play is a train wreck. It doesn't happen. I knew you'd understand. That's why I sent for you. As soon as we've completed our tests, I propose to send you through time... 
100 years into the future. What if he ends up listening to old radio shows when he gets there? For days and weeks, Fred Andrews and Professor Malcolm experimented until they were sure it would be possible to send a human being into the future and bring him back safely. All with government funding. They were ready for the big test for the actual transmission of Fred himself through time. Professor, I'm all ready. Why are you hesitating? Well, Fred, as we've been working, suspicion has been growing in my mind. We can go on together. No suspicious mind. Professor, we've sent dozens of objects into the future and brought them back. Even live animals. Cats, dogs. Yes. Living together. Complete mayhem. We never brought back an object from the future itself. I mean, one we didn't send there. No, that's true. I but... wonder if... Well, no matter, we'll see. Now remember, gather all the information you can and get back to this spot six hours from now. I'll activate the return field then and bring you back to 1950. Yes, sir, I'll do my best. And bring me back some that's Skittles. All. Good luck, my boy. Thanks, Father. 5,000 volts positive. 6,000 volts how do you feel? Electrified. 8,000 volts. Nine. 10,000. <laughs> Bell. Science. <laughs> I thought somebody was at the front desk. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, Professor Malcolm. I can hear you. But you sound very far away. I can't see you any longer. I seem to be in the middle of a fog or mist. Now I'm just surrounded by... Why does he sound like a stuttering robot? I don't get it. He's gone. I wish that tone was. Pray heaven he comes back safely. What if he doesn't want to come back? Yeah, like he might enjoy his new job listening to old radio shows and whatnot. For a long moment... Fred Andrews felt as if he was spinning dizzily through empty darkness. Because he was? Feeling past, and he cautiously opened his eyes to find himself standing in an empty room, the laboratory which he had just left a hundred years ago. Except that sofa was still there. Unsteadily, he crossed the room and with difficulty opened the door. Then he gasped. It must have been stuck. Outside was a maze of corridors and stairways, brilliantly lighted, as if a whole city had been carved out of the rock of Manhattan Island. As he stood there, someone came walking swiftly past him. An attractive girl in full military uniform. Hello, nurse. I, I, I beg your pardon. Yes? But uh, can, can you What are you doing me? here? Uh, this section is forbidden to civilians. Forbidden to civilians? I, I, I don't get it. How did you get past the guards? Where are your identification papers? You mean the chip? No, 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 wait a minute. Since when does an American citizen have to carry identification papers? Ever since the war started, as huh? you know quite well. Put up your hands. And wave them like you just don't care. You don't have to threaten me. I'm harmless. Stand still. I want to see if you're carrying a weapon. <laughs> Tickles. Easy. Well, satisfying? The only weapon I have is a fountain pen. What's your Mightier name? than the sword. Frederick Andrews, Ph.D. Sausage King of Miami. Draft card? Look, what's all this about? War, draft card, identification papers. All these tunnels that have been dug down here. I, uh, I'm a stranger here. I don't know what you're up to. 
But no one can be that ignorant. You're coming along with me to see Colonel Phillips. Sausage King of New Jersey. Security officer for this sector. And I certainly hope you have a good story to tell him. Well, once upon a time, a hundred years ago, the end. So your story, Mr. Andrews, is that you've come here from the year 1950. You must realize it's a very unconvincing tale. Completely unconvincing, in my opinion, Colonel. Nobody talks like that past 1965, said Mr. Brumbles. And in 1950, Professor Wilbur Malcolm of City University sent me into the future. Now I'm here and, uh, oh, I forgot to ask the date. He brought a date? 2050. Exactly 100 years. Professor Malcolm's calculations were accurate to almost the minute. Colonel, in my opinion, this man is a very clever spy. Spy? Nobody does it better. The the notebook, fountain pen, my driver's license, dated 1950. Those coins and bills, the, the cigarettes. Surely they convince you I came from a hundred years ago. I think we can settle the question, Mr. Andrews. Our technical department can tell whether this currency is genuine and approximately how old it is. Lieutenant French. Oui, oui? Send all these things by pneumatic tube to the technical department. Ask them for an immediate report. Ooh, pneumatic tube, how futury. Professor Malcolm, or an assistant named Frederick Andrews at City University in 1950. Yes, sir, right away. I'll have a report for you in half an hour. When the report comes, Mr. Andrews, I'll know how to handle your case. If you are a spy, you know the penalty. Well, I'm not worried, Colonel. Now, may I ask a few questions? Are you at war? We are indeed at war. And these miles of tunnels I saw carved out of the solid rock. Well, that's where we store the Twinkies. They've been there only for about 40 years. Good Lord. How long has the war been going on? We have been at war, Mr. Andrews. Off and on, of course, with periods in between in which both sides have rested up. For 95 years. It all started when some guy went into the future in 1915. Well, a visitor at last. Hello, Lieutenant French. Oui, oui. I'm sorry, Mr. Andrews, that we had to keep you locked up until you were cleared. Wasn't he clear when he time-traveled? My story now. Technical division says your story is true. Except for that time-travel thingy. I'm free now? Oh, well, not exactly, Mr. Andrews. This is a military sector, and you're a civilian. But I am to be your guide for the time being. Good. Then, uh, suppose I call you Emily, and you call me Fred. Hmm? But my name is Wanda. Hi, Fred. There's a great deal I want to see and learn before I go back to 1950. Go back? Hmm. You mean you can return? Of course. Library books, yes. Professor Malcolm will turn on his gadgets to bring me back at 4 o'clock. That's only three hours. I'll have to report this to Colonel Phillips. Um, after I've reported, uh, what would you like to do? Hmm, I think I'd really like a peanut buster parfait. And I'd like to collect a number of books with the latest scientific and historical data to take back with me. Yes, all right, I'll phone the Colonel. Then I'll show you around. Shouldn't you be able to text him by now? Fred, here's the plotting room for the flying bomb attack. Oh, that was my go-to wrestling move in high school. Good Lord, it's as big as a theater. And as dark. What's that big board with lights on it? Oh, that? That's, that's the Board the of Education. Which records every flying bomb within a thousand miles of American territory. Shall we play a game? Action, that's over Greenland. 
General Corps, south, southwest. I have it plotted. Send up interceptor rockets when it reaches Zone 4. Yes, sir. Hey, I played bass for Zone 4 in the 90s. Zone 4 and 35 successfully intercepted at Defense Zone 4. Now you see, Fred, two lights just went out. That means we sent up destroyer rockets which brought the bomb down. You dropped your bomb on me, babe. Have eluded interception at Zone 3. Interception salvo at Zone 2. If they penetrate... What's that clicking noise? L-100 Somebody's typing. L-100 is our new top-secret interceptor, Fred. Hardly anyone knows how it works, but it never fails. Then why don't they use it all the time? And here comes the report. Last four rockets successfully intercepted. Good job, everybody. Good game. Good game. Modern Rocket warfare. 25 oh, it's has penetrated zone it's 2. Horrifying. Interceptor and L-100 everybody is being launched now. Seems to take it so calmly. <laughs> You can't get excited when a thing has lasted for almost a hundred years on and off. That light, hmm? number 25, it's still on and moving. But it should have been destroyed by now. Do you suppose... Rocket number 25 has eluded interceptor attack by L-100. I've got me a rocket yeah, and it seats about 20. 25, please. Detection base 103 reports number 25, apparently new type rocket... Non-metallic construction, able to baffle sighting mechanism of L-100. They need a T-1000 from Skynet. Fragments after the hit. Send general warning to Eastern Seaboard. Who is general warning? Give plotted strike prediction. Very good, sir. All personnel in Eastern District. All personnel. Bomb strike due in 10 seconds. Battery area. Bomb strike due in 5 seconds. 4 seconds. Bomb strike you in three seconds, two seconds, one second. All personnel, bomb strike over. Good game, everybody. Good hustle. I'll take you to the viewing room next, and you can see for yourself what this city looks like in the year 2050. I'm hoping for flying cars. Me, George Jetson. Lieutenant French reporting. Oui, oui. Mr. Andrews, sir. Very good, Lieutenant. Well, Mr. Andrews, have a good look around. Uh, yes, sir. I saw the city through the television viewing screens. Oh, and they had ice cream. Left, is it? it? It's unbelievable. Just acres of twisted steel and fallen stone. Hey, I played drums for the Twisted Steel in 1986. Flying across one another. Rusting. Tin roof. End of the world. Not quite. Perhaps not even the end of civilization. Man is an adaptable creature. Hmm. But are we winning, sir? Winning? Nobody wins a war anymore, Mr. Andrews. We're holding our own, and we hope when the end comes, there will be peace on Earth forever. But how did it start, sir? Well, the jets and the sharks. so hard to prevent war back in 1950. In fact, one reason for my trip into time was to get information that might help us keep war from breaking out. Lieutenant French, why didn't we think of that? We're not that bright, sir. If the world of 1950 knows the truth, maybe it won't happen. Either they can prevent the accident that started all this back in 1955, or at least they'll know the truth when it does happen. Of course, sir. Mr. Andrews can take the true story back with him. He should take Frenchie back with him. I don't follow you. Fred, you asked how the war started. Yes. It started because of an accident, 
and an over-jittery world. Jittery world? They got roller coasters? During the 1950s, the government established a special experimental base in the heart of the Arizona desert, in a little town called Red Rock. Birthplace of Sammy Hagar, and a live U2 album. ...rocket was put into production there, and work was pushed on the problem of fuel. During the course of experiments, an explosion occurred, late in 1955. It was a terrific blast. Best blast ever. The first reports were that the enemy had blown up the base because they were afraid we were on the verge of getting space flight. Before the truth became known, our newspapers screamed for retaliation. The enemy became panicky and decided to strike first. And phase one of the war was on. When we discovered the blast was really an accident, it was too late to stop. That's horrible, sir. War, because everybody was just too jittery. Too much jolt cola. Don't you see, if you take back the true story before it happens, it won't have to happen. Now look, I've assembled a dozen books for you. And some Skittles right here. will enable your scientists to prevent that blast at Red Rock Base. Now, Fred, you, you've got to get the facts back to them. You've just got to. Says who? Believe me, Professor Malcolm and I will see to it this war doesn't start in our time. Good. Now come along. You've only five minutes more. Before the bachelor starts... This is the exact spot where I was lying when I came through the time dimension, Colonel Phillips. You've only 30 seconds more, Andrews. Remember, impress the lesson of the accident at Red Rock on the world. These books, hold them close to you so they'll go back with you. Yes, sir. I've got a good grip on them. Spoiler alert! Yes, Emily? Uh, Just good luck. Thanks. Uh, Take luck. Maybe I'll pay another trip to 2050. I hope so. It's 1600. Wee oui, wee. Oui. I thought it was 2050. 1600. Oh, here's the delivery truck again. Look, Colonel. He's getting transparent. He's disappearing. Goodbye, Emily. I guess this is it. Hope to see you again sometime. But Text me. They aren't disappearing. They're just as solid as ever. Fred! Fred! What? I, I can hardly hear you. Everything's gray and misty. Are you still there? Emily, are you still there? The books, Fred! Fred, the books! Andrews, you're going back with the books! They're sitting here! With the Skittles! He's appearing. He's returning. Well, which one is it? Thank heaven he's safe. Fred. Fred, my boy. Fred. What's the matter? You're staring at me as if you didn't know me. Here, Fred, let me help you up. Good boy. Hi, Professor Malcolm. Professor Malcolm. Yes. Yes. Don't tell me you don't remember. Okay, I don't remember. Professor Malcolm. Yes, yes, Fred. What's the matter? Uh, you're standing on my foot. Feels so funny. I can't seem to remember who you are or what's happened to me. What am I doing here? (laughs) Stupid time travel. (laughs) I don't remember feeling that way. Mm. Well, Fred, how are you? Oh, not bad. You? It's good to see you, sir. I can't tell you how I've been blaming myself ever since the experiment. No, go ahead. I haven't suffered any harm. Just a blank place in my mind. But that's always been there. I can't understand it. Do you suppose the experiment failed? You were gone for six hours. Somewhere. That's all I know, Fred. 
If you did get to 2050, Fred... Yes, sir? I wish you'd have brought some books back. Well, I have a theory that though we can move from past to future, it's impossible for anything belonging in the future to move to the past. The structure of time itself prevents that. I see. Just think about all those cats and dogs, how they feel. Books, the papers, they stayed behind. How do you know about that? You must be right. You can't remember because nothing that you didn't take with you could come back with you. Even including well, that science way off. On your brain cells. The very act of returning wiped out your memory. Well, good thing you didn't have an iPhone. I went again. We could find some way around the problem. Or your brain will melt. Some way, sir. No, Fred. I'm dropping the whole subject for the time being. I've been transferred to a new assignment, and you're coming with me. Well, what is the assignment, sir? All spaceship research is being concentrated at the new base now being developed. It's all about that base. About that base. About that base. No treble. And we'll take a rocket to the moon. I see. Where is the base, Professor Malcolm? Stage left, usually. I believe they call it Red Rock, Arizona. See what they did? Yeah. The name seems awfully familiar to me. I wonder why. Because he can't drive 55. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, maybe the train can't drive 55. This is the mysterious traveler. Well, time travel doesn't seem to be all it's been painted. Yeah, no kidding. You can't remember what's happened when you get back. You aren't worried about the future, are you? He's kind of mumbling. My story couldn't possibly happen. Or could it? Oh, you have to get off now. I'm sorry. But I'm sure we'll meet again. I take this same train every week at this same time. I never got my pillow. Hey, what are the odds? What do you think if we get back home and we don't remember any of this? I don't know if that'll be good or bad. Wisecracks Radio Hour is written and produced by Aaron Lindsay and Sean Rourke. Dr. Charlie is played by Aaron Lindsay. Dr. Wagner is played by Sean Rourke. Mr. Brumbles is played by Craig Underhill. And I'm your announcer, Lori Lindsay. Please connect with us on social media. Our Twitter handle and Facebook ID is Wisecracks Radio. Our website is wisecracksradio.com. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for another exciting episode. Please review us wherever you find your podcasts.